Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. I heard a story and a true fact about uh, uh, greyhound dog racing. Anybody ever been to a dog race before? I'm not talking about your backyard. I'm just, I'm talking about a, a dog race. And uh, I, I'm, today I'm sharing on the subject of vision and uh, vision and legacy, how we accelerate in vision and how we accelerate in legacy. And really, uh, I'm not talking so much today about our corporate vision as much as God's vision for you. you have, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And, uh, and God will accelerate you in vision but I, I liken this, uh, this reality of, of uh, greyhound dog racing. Its vision is like that. And so what would happen is, what happens is, is to keep the greyhounds so they're all ready to go and run, and, but to keep them running in the right direction, a man in the press box, what he does is he controls a mechanical rabbit. And so in order, if you've ever seen a race, you see how, how they run, and they're, they're chasing something. You know, they're... they're, they're fired up to chase this mechanical rabbit, and they've been trained to chase this rabbit. And so they were chasing this rabbit, and they keep it just in front of the dog so they can't quite catch it. It's just right in front of them. And, uh, and, and so, uh, and, and if, they, if they do, if, just in case uh, they make it all the way around the track, um, but one time in, one time in Florida, the, the, the dogs were set up, and the guy in the press box was getting ready to launch the mechanical rabbit. The dogs are chomping at the bit to chase this rabbit. And as they, as they let loose, the dogs take off and they're chasing this rabbit. And as they made the first turn, there was a, a short circuit in the electrical system. And the rabbit blew up. And it was nothing but a little bit of like little feathers or a little bit of uh, 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 leftovers on, the, uh, on the, the mechanical cord. And all of a sudden, the dogs didn't know what to do. The dogs are used to chasing this rabbit. They've been trained to chase this rabbit. But all of a sudden, it says what happened was these dogs, they just sat down right where they were. And they started looking at the stands and howling at the stands, just randomly barking. Some of them went out on the path and went to the bathroom, and they were just not focused anymore because the thing that they were chasing had blown up in front of them. And they had been trained to chase that. And I think a lot of times that's what vision is. A lot of us, if you lack vision, you find yourself just kind of sitting on the runway howling at the stands. You find yourself in a place where you don't, you, you've been, you, maybe you haven't chased a, a certain thing that God has for your life. Well, listen, these dogs, um, again, some of them freaked out. They tried to jump over the fence. They broke the ribs. They hurt themselves. And again, the rest of them just sat there and, oh, we got a lot of that in the church. We got a lot of people in the church that come to church, but they don't have a vision within themselves to make a difference in the earth. God gave you a purpose, and the purpose was not just for you to come sit in a chair on Sunday. God gave you a purpose to make a difference in the earth, and he's wired you with something greater than you can do yourself because it's always going to require him to do it. Psalm 139 says it this way. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. This is powerful. This is you. He says, you saw me 
before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. When I read that passage, I think of God has a unique vision. He has a unique vision for you. He wired you a certain way within your mother's womb. He says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that you were wonderfully made complex. You are his workmanship, that you are a reflection of him because in the place of seclusion, God began to wire you and put gifts in you and, and, and prepare you to come to the earth to make a difference. And a lot of people today are still just howling at the stands because they don't have vision. Vision is not something that drives them. They get up in the morning and go through the mundane rituals of life, and they work a job, and, and, and then they come home, and there's no vision. There's nothing to make a difference with. And so I want to encourage you today as we talk about Accelerate in Vision is that God's vision is directly connected to your relationship with him. That when we have a vision from God, that God's vision is directly connected to your relationship with him. And over time, as you grow closer to him, God places a bigger vision on the inside of you. He, put, he gives you these little leadings and these little nudges in your heart about this is what I want you to do with your life. I love this, and this is kind of my key thought for this morning, is the personal vision God has for each of us is tied to the common vision God has for all of us. The, the, the personal vision God has for you is tied to the common vision God has for all of us. And that whole all of us thing is we're all, we all must make a difference with our life. And I really believe that a lot of times while people, the reason why people are walking around and Christians really struggle to accomplish vision that God gives them is not because they do too many of the wrong things, or maybe they don't do enough of the right things, but ultimately it's because they don't view everything through the lens of God's vision for their life. It's not about right or wrong things, it's about we don't view our life and vision through God's lenses. We look in a one-dimensional realm and say this is all that there is. Well, God has a heavenly vision for you. Paul was given a heavenly vision. He told Paul, he told Agrippa, I've obeyed the heavenly vision. That God has a heavenly vision for you. And I really believe that in the, in the last days, in the time that we're living in, that God wants to refresh vision in you. That he wants to give you something to live for. Instead of just living in this, again, mundane type of mentality. And so how do you find, I'm going to talk to you just two things. How do you find it and how do you follow it? How do you find God's personal vision for your life, and how do you follow God's personal vision for your life? And I'm going to give you three clues on how to find it, how to, how to find God's vision for your life. Number one is this, seek and discover your spiritual gifts. If you're going to discover the place that God has for you and the vision that God has for you, seek and discover your spiritual gifts. God has put a gift on the inside of you. You are wired a certain way. And listen, don't let insecurity rob you of the gift God's placed on the inside of you. Don't let, don't let fear rob you of how he wired you in the, in the, in the day in which, in age in which you live. See, a spiritual gift is this, a definition. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability. Let me stop right there. That what God wants to do through you is not a natural thing. 
God wants to do a supernatural thing through you, therefore he put a supernatural ability in you. So that supernatural ability revealed by the Holy Spirit to every believer at their conversion to be used to minister to others and to build up the body of Christ. The Bible says that when Jesus ascended, he gave gifts unto men. Now we know that's Ephesians chapter 4, he gave the fivefold ministry gifts. He gave gifts unto men. But when he, when he died and he rose again, he put gifts on the inside of you. That, that, that was part of the redemption plan, was not to leave you giftless, but to put a spiritual gift on the inside of you. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says this, all these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes these gifts to each one just as he determines. Spiritual gifts. God has a spiritual gift for you. It's on the inside of you. It's something that must be discovered. I've been through discovery classes. I've been through disc tests. I've been through spiritual inventory. And, and, and it says some things. But I tell you what, when you're in your gift, you know you're in your sweet spot. You know that God uses you in that place. And, and through those kind of tests, I kind of discover. But the greatest way to discover the spiritual gift that God has for you is to ask the one that put it on the inside of you. Ask the one that put it there in the first place. So if you're going to accelerate with vision and find God's vision for your life, seek and discover your spiritual gifts. Listen, God's gift to you and in you is to equip you to be a gift to the world. He gifted you to be a gift to the world. That he put a gift on the inside of you to be a blessing to those that are around you. Number two is this, pursue your passions. If you're going to discover and find God's plan and vision for your life, Pursue your passions. Here's a question for you. What drives and motivates you? What drives and motivates you? What, what, and what you're passionate about drives your decisions, and your decisions will ultimately define your life. What you're passionate about drives your decisions, therefore it ultimately defines your life. Mother Teresa, she was driven for compassion for the poor. Billy Graham, he was driven for spreading the gospel to masses of people. John Madden, driven with football. Think about it, what are, what are you driven with? What are the things with inside of you that you wake up and you say, this is what I wanna see happen in the earth. And if you wake up with no passion and you wake up with no enthusiasm to do something in the earth, listen, you need to get back on your face before the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him what it is he wants you to do. And then you become passionate. So pursue your passion. What are you, what are you passionate about? What angers you? What are you passionate about and what angers you? These are just questions to help you discover this. What angers you? What is your holy discontent? What is your righteous indignation? Well, I'm just mad when somebody cuts me off in traffic. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an issue or a justice or something that you see in the earth that just bothers you. I call it like a Popeye moment. You're wholly discontent. How many remember that good looking girl that Popeye had called Olive Oil? She was as big as that pole right there that we put our curtain on. She was a looker, boy. And, but, but there was Brutus who would always mess with olive oil and he would, he would try to muse her in and things like that. Well, Popeye would always, he would get upset with that if anybody ever messed with olive oil. 
And so all of a sudden, it would be a moment where he knew that he couldn't, he couldn't take out Brutus, but he, he would make a statement. He would say, I've, I, I've, I've had all I can stands and I can't stands no more. And then he would crack open the spinach, what's up? And all of a sudden, he'd, he'd become this supernatural Popeye. But it started with, I, I can't stand what's happening any longer to something that's very precious to me. And the reason we're seeing what we're seeing in the earth today is God is shifting the church and moving the church around and trying to get the church back to its original intent. And its original intent is love God, love people, that's it. Leave all the other stuff out of it. Leave all the other Facebook comments. Listen, some of you, I could follow your Facebook feeds and can't tell if you're a Christian or not the way you treat people. Don't make me come down these steps. And you complain and you cry and this is going on and this is happening. Stop expecting the world to act like it's saved. It's not going. Listen, I know some sinners that act better than some saved people. You know, that's a real good one right there. The point is this, is God is trying to communicate to his church there's things happening in the earth today. You can't just keep sleeping at the wheel. Something's got to bother you. Something, of, of whether it's poor people that need food or whether it's uh, 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 young ladies that are caught in human trafficking. Listen, I don't care how many stats you can name. I don't care if you can tell me what the issue is. Do something about it. <laughs> what, what angers you? As you can tell, I'm angry. There's a holy discontent. There's people that are going to hell by the masses. And we're preoccupied with other things that does not matter in God's kingdom. So stop being preoccupied. You're getting angry at the wrong stuff. Start putting your holy discontent towards something that matters. Pursue your passion. What angers you? What brings you bliss? Everybody look at your neighbor and smile. What brings you bliss? What brings you happiness? What kinds of relationships or activities bring you deep feelings of meaningfulness and fulfillment? What do you spend your time and energy thinking and doing about when you don't have to be thinking and doing anything? What do you spend your time thinking, dreaming, your energy, your effort, your thought processes about when you don't have to think or do anything. When you're in those moments, what keeps bubbling to the top is the thing that God wants to put a passion on in your life. Number three, embrace your past experiences. If you're gonna discover the God's vision for your life, embrace your past experiences. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Listen to me this morning. It doesn't matter what you've been through. God never wastes an experience. That means even the bad experiences in your past, God wants to use as a ministry. That God wants to use as a purpose. Listen, there's no hurt, there's no pain, there's no rejection, there's no problem from our past that God can't and won't use for the good to those who are called according to his purpose. You mean God would use my past to make it into a ministry and a message? Absolutely. Your pastor is a living testimony of that. 
He will take your past and use it to reach a lot of people. Not only your pain, not only your past, but your victories as well. The victories that you've experienced, the things that God has done in your past that were, that were highlight reels, if you would, of your past, that God will use those also. Listen, I think about people in the Bible like Joseph. Joseph had a difficult family. Anybody ever had a difficult family? You're like, yep, sitting right next to him right now today. That's it. Difficult family. How many's had a difficult family? Come on, raise your hand. It's okay. Raise your hand. You've had a difficult family. God used a difficult family to get Joseph to his destiny. God's not wasting the fact that you were born into that family. God put you in that family for a reason, for a purpose. And he put you into that difficult family. Every family is difficult. All of us have dysfunction. Some more than others. But, but the point is, is that, that God used a difficult family for Joseph. I mean, that, hello, they threw, him in, they, they threw him in a well. And then they faked his death. And they threw him in, a, in, a, in, the, in the pit. And then they put him in a prison. And they sold him off. Can you imagine Thinking, what about the unforgiveness and bitterness that Joseph dealt with? He didn't deal with those sorts of things. You know why? Because there was a vision in front of him. God had put a dream on the inside of Joseph. And God used a difficult family to position Joseph for his ultimate place of leadership. God uses everything, that difficult family. God used, what about David, his work experience? He worked in his father's shepherd field, his father-in-law's shepherd field, preparing him for war in the battlefield, which led him to, be, to become king. He was faithful in the battlefield. He was faithful with the lion and the bear before he ever got to Goliath, before he ever became king. Think about it. This dude was out in the, in the sticks over in the shepherd's field, and they're having an anointing service. And all, all of uh, his sons are there, all, all the sons are there, and David's not even invited Talk about abandonment issues. Yeah, I heard there's an anointing service going on there for the new king and all of his families down there, but David. He's the only one not invited. And they go through the whole list. Samuel's going to anoint everybody, and he's going to anoint the next king. He goes through all seven, and he looks at the dad and says, hey, man, none of these guys are it. Where's your, you got any more boys? He said, well, I got this one guy. He's out there in the shepherd's field. And he's not very qualified, but we can call him to come on up here to the pasture and we can have a conversation. So they bring David in and David walks up and Samuel's like, that's him. Now, can you imagine the moment? All of a sudden, God anoints him and he makes him king. He doesn't stand in the office yet. He puts oil on him and says, you're the next king of Israel. What's David do? David doesn't go, yes, I am mighty anointed. I'm going to be the next king, crown me wonderful. You know what David does? David goes back to the shepherd's field and tends to his father's sheep. Why is that? It's because God uses every experience in our life to shape us, David's work experience. You have work experience that God wants to use. Well, it's just my job. No, he gave you a gift. If you can nail two boards together, you're way further along in your gift than I am. Come on, somebody. You got a gift. You can build things. You work with your hands. You're a good listener. You counsel. God put a gift in you. Then, then Paul, think about Paul's religious background. God uses everything. 
Paul's religious background. He was trained in the streets of the most strictest Pharisees teaching. Paul was, Saul was a, a skilled professional at being a religious leader. He sat at the feet of the most prominent religious rulers of the day. He was killing Christians. God knocks him off his horse and visits him, and he saw at the time on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9. And he knocks him off his horse, and all of a sudden, uh, God, he encounters God, and God does this amazing thing in his life. Guess who God sends him back to? God takes Paul and tur turns Saul into Paul and sends him back into the religious realm of where he was skilled as a religious leader. So God saved him, set him free, and sent him back into the place where he knew he would best be used. God put the gift on the inside of this man, and God took every religious moment that he had and sent him back into the, into the uh, Gentile world to reach the Pharisees and the Gentiles. God will use every one of our experience, whether it's past, whether it's uh, uh, present, God's going to use every experience, good and bad, to shape our passion, to shape our destiny, to shape who we are. A lot of times we're waiting for angels to come tell us what to do. No, just take an inventory. And it'll be clues in your life that will tell you what you're supposed to do. So you find it, and then you got to follow it. Let me give you just three quick guiding principles for following your vision. Again, this is a personal vision. If you're going to walk in your vision, number one is this, consider who you're listening to. Consider who you're listening to. Because what you set your mind on and you allow your thoughts to marinate on often comes from what you're listening to. I can, I can figure out anxiety and fear in people based on what they're listening to. So if you're going to achieve God's vision for your life, you've got to be very careful and consider who you're listening to. There's going to be negative noises. Negative voices, you can't do that. Where are, you, where are you going to get the money? No one will support that idea. Why don't you just settle for the situation you have? See, those are negative noise, voices that come and noises that come into our life. And most of the time, we pay so much attention to them that it strips us of our faith and strips us of our joy and we find ourselves continually bound by the voices on the outside and a lot of people on the inside. Negative voices, consider who you're listening to. Negative voices, the devil, people, yourself. These are voices in the earth that speak into our life that frame our vision. Listen, you know, Jesus, he didn't listen to anybody. He had a really good friend named Peter. Peter had the revelation of Matthew 16. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Flesh and blood not revealed this to you. He has this encounter. Just on down in the chapter, Jesus said, I got to go to Jerusalem. Peter said, you ain't going anywhere. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Wait a minute. <laughs> They're friends. Obviously, we know we're talking to Peter. The point is, is that even the enemy through Peter tried to stop Peter that close to a revelation of who Jesus was was almost used by the enemy had not Jesus not listened to it to stop the very plan and purposes of God that he would go to Jerusalem and he would be die, that he would die on a rugged cross and raised from the dead. Listen to me this morning, that you can't listen to everybody. 
Not everybody sees what you see. Not everybody understands what you understand. When I started, when we started Real Life Church, it was off a 40-day fast and a word from God. It wasn't a consultation. It wasn't three points in a poem. It wasn't, what do you think about this? It was God told us to go, and so we're going to go. And we're going to figure the rest out later. Amen. The point is this, is I can't listen to everybody that tell me I can't do it. If you got people around you that say you can't do it, dismiss them from your friendship level right now. Because they're not, they're, not, they're not around you with the point of encouraging you and, and loving you and supporting you and pushing you into your destiny. Consider the voices you're listening to. Jesus didn't listen to his friends. He didn't listen to temptation. Enemy tried to come in Matthew chapter 4 and tempt Jesus. Tempt Jesus. And Jesus said, get out of here. I ain't got time for that temptation. I'm on a mission. I got a vision. He didn't, he didn't listen. He listened to his heavenly father. John 14, 31 says, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the father and do, do exactly what my father has commanded me to do. Listen, when you listen to man over God, it produces constant anxiety, worry, stress, and a feeling of being overwhelmed when you listen to man. When you follow God and you fear God and you listen to God over man, it produces a courage within us. It produces, uh, in the middle of uncertainties, it produces a courage. Uh, we overcome anxieties and we take risks with Jesus when we listen to God over man. If listen, listen, if listening to God is what we need to do, then why is it so hard? Because it takes faith. If we have a steady diet of negative, guess what? You're going to be a negative person. And misery loves company. So if you're negative and you're miserable, guess who your closest friends are? Negative and miserable. I don't have time for negative. I don't have time for miserable. Amen. We got somewhere to go and some places to be and people to reach. Now, I probably need to reach you. The point is this, is you got to be very careful about the voices that are speaking in. Saul tried to convince David not to go out and fight Goliath. He tried to give him his armor. He said, no, I don't need, his, I don't need your armor. I'm good. I got a slingshot and a rock. I'm going out here and I'll take care of this guy. Right? Why? Because he, wasn't, he said, I put my trust in Jesus. I put my trust in him. So consider the voices that you're listening to. It takes faith. Faith and vision are closely tied together. So vision is seeing what others cannot by believing what others will not. Say it again. Vision is seeing what others cannot by believing what others will not. Jonathan Swift calls vision the art of seeing things invisible. It requires tenacity. It requires the art of finishing. It demands risk. Many visions die in the heart of people because we're not willing to take risk. Until we're there to, why don't we, why don't we step? Why don't we step towards what God wants for? It's because risks are hard. And listen, as time progresses, as we live in this place of, of, of lack of vision, we learn to, uh, learn to leverage risk over time by becoming satisfied with mediocrity rather than pursuing God-sized visions. In other words, mediocrity becomes okay over time. At some point, listen, at some point on this process, it just seems easier for us to lower our sights, get reasonable, you know, get it to where we can do it, 
And then all of a sudden we find ourselves not taking any more risk. And then we live this life of just at this level when God called us to live at this level. And here's the scary part about not taking risk. All of your dreams and visions are attached to people. Who do you not reach? Who do you not reach by not achieving the vision God has for your life? Who, who do you not reach? Who, who, who goes, who spends eternity separated from hell because you didn't want to, you wanted to play it safe? Consider who you're listening to. Allow faith to rise in your heart. God-sized visions require that we listen to his voice above the negative noise and above the voices in our own heads. Number two, if we're going to achieve our personal vision in our life and we're going to follow it, be an original, not a copy. Be you. God has given you a gift that is uniquely fit to you. He put something in your life that wired you with a certain kind of gift. We need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal or confirm to us what is that specific gifting that he's given us. Listen, God created you. Look at the palm of your hand right now. Everybody look at the palm of your hand. Nobody else has that. Nobody else has all those lines that look like yours, right? No, nobody has that palm. If we could take a mirror and we could, unless you're a twin, obviously, if you could stick your face in front of a mirror, nobody else looks like you, right? God made you an original. He didn't make you a copy. So with your dream and your destiny and your vision that God has given you, be you. How does God, how does God wanna, wanna use the original copy that he made of you to be a blessing to the world? Be you. Be an original, not a copy. And then I'm gonna close with this is number three, is walk in obedience to what is known and God will reveal to you what is not known. Walk in obedience to what is known and God will reveal to you what is not known. In other words, obedience to God's word now unlocks the mystery of God's will in your future. See, you can only do what you know. So start doing what you know. Well, pastor, I want more. I want, to be, I want to be in this place of influence, and I want, to, I want to do this, and I want to have big. I want to do this. Hold on, hold on there, partner. What's God saying to you today that you're supposed to do today? Some of you want to have a big vision for your life and a big dream, and you want to reach a lot of people, but you don't even want to witness to your waitress. How's that work? I want to save the world, pastor. I'm going to do it. What, what, about, what about your waitress? Well, I want to go the other, across the world, and I want to cross the sea, and I want to reach people across the world. I got a heart for missions. But you don't even cross your street. In other words, do what's in front of you. Be very faithful what's one in front of you. I remember when I first started, at, uh, I'd come from a church, and I was in a, a youth pastor, and nightmare happened situation with the pastor and everything crazy. Not the church I came from, but the church I first started at. And I shifted churches, went to another church. I was bitter. I didn't, they didn't tell me this in ministry, like Bible school. Because I, when I went to Bible school, I, I, was, I was just barely a Christian, right? I was like out of a case of beer and a bag of pot when I went to, come on somebody. Out of, uh, out of, out of Bible school, I had a radical encounter in May of 1995 with the Lord. And he set me free. <laughs> he delivered me of all my sins. 
and I wanted to go to Bible school to learn about Jesus that had walked into my room and set me free. So I went to Bible school, and they're down there, you know, they're, they're seeking God, and they're raising their hands. I thought, this is weird. Why are they doing that? It's weird. And uh, they'd come up to me and be like, what are you? I'd be like, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. Love Jesus, I guess. Like, you know, I'm trying to figure it out what they meant. No, like, are you an apostle or prophet? You know, all these, these kids that have been raised in church that know how to talk the lingo, and I'm lost. I mean, I'm still cussing, y'all. That's all there is to it. I'm not sanctified yet. I'm still cussing. Like, where in the, is Matthew? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know where it's at. Let's just be honest. And, but through that experience, God started working on my heart. And for two years, I just ate God's word. And I was able to be seriously free. My mind was transformed. My heart was transformed. I started to develop a heart for people that I never had before because growing up, I was an angry dude. I was an angry guy. And, and, and through that experience, God really began to grow me and he began to mold me. And so I went on staff at a, a church and then I left that church and I went on another staff. And I remember I was going in this church, I was busy and I was bitter. I was bitter at the experience before I started attending this church. I didn't want to go to this church. The way we chose the church, Living Word, where we came from, was my, my, we had resigned my position at, as, at the first church and I was in this six month of funkiness and we were two weeks from having our daughter, Madison. So back then, there's something called, you young people may not know what it is, it's called a telephone book. Yellow pages. So we just, I kind of did one of them, like open up and point. And I won't ever forget, we opened up and we pointed and we called this church and it was actually the parsonage of the pastor. And the, the wife answered the phone. It was the funniest conversation I've ever had with somebody. We said, what time's your service times for tomorrow at church? Because we were trying to find a church. She said, you want to come to our church? I said, hang up the phone. We're not going there. <laughs> like they, they didn't even, they weren't expected like us wanting to come. So I just, I just finally said, you know what? I'm going to name three churches. I put my ear up to my wife's belly. And I said, whichever one my daughter kicks, that's the one I'm going to. I was having like a John the Baptist moment where he was leaping and Jesus was leaping in the womb. And so I was like, okay, let's just be weird about it. <laughs> let's pick three churches. And so I would put it up there and I said, a church, nothing. Dead silent. Second, no, no. Got to the third one, said living word, and she jumped like a crazy girl. I said, well, that's where we're supposed to go, the place I didn't want to go. Everybody else was going there, so I didn't want to go, so I just, so I ended up, I ended up going, and I was bitter. I remember I met with Pastor Pat for the first time, and I sat down in his office, and, and they, He said, man, if you ever want to get to a place where your vision is fulfilled that God puts in your heart, you're going to have to get better, not bitter. I said, man, what you, who, who, who you think you're talking to? We only known each other twice. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you mean? You can just throw that across the table. So in that moment, though, God started this reconciliation process in my heart for six months. I just sat. And God started working on my heart. And I remember telling my wife, I'd, I'd come home and I'd complain. I'd be like, God. <laughs> I'm supposed to be in ministry. I just left ministry. I'm supposed to be in ministry. I'm supposed to work for the church. I'm supposed to be doing something for the church. And she said, won't you go do something for the church then? I said, well, what do you mean? Nobody knows me. I don't know anything. I'm just going to church right now. She said, won't you just call the cleaning crew and join the cleaning team? What do you mean by that? And I was like, what you talking about, Willis? You know? She said, go in on Tuesday and Thursdays at 6 o'clock in the morning clean the church with the lady. There was one lady that cleaned the church back then. I remember going in there that first Tuesday 
going, what am I doing? What is this all about? I get in there and I grab a sweeper, start running the sweeper through all these chairs. I clean the toilets. You ever clean the toilets after a church service? Y'all nasty, just so you know. So I, I, I clean, the, clean the bathrooms. I had one job that I was so proud of. Pastor Pat had an acrylic uh, podium that you could see through, had the big flower basin in it. You guys remember the flowers that they put in the podiums? Big old flowers in there. My job was to clean the podium. Every Sunday, I'd clean, I'd clean the podium. I'd get it all nice and neat because you could see handprints on it. I'd make sure it was all nice and neat. I'd walk in. I'd be like, look, honey, look, at the, look at the podium. I cleaned it. You see it there? It looks good, doesn't it? Like, it's shining. Ding, ding. And uh, just started to, God started to just really break things down in my life. And guess what? This point, I was just doing what I knew to do. And I did it faithfully. And as I did it faithfully, I remember one time I decided to, in the middle of an empty auditorium, that I was gonna try to preach to empty chairs. And I had cleaned the church and I had got the podium ready and I got up there and I started preaching to the chairs. For God so loved the world. There wasn't nobody there, it was just me. It was six o'clock in the morning. It was the weirdest thing I've ever done. I gotta be honest, felt like COVID for a minute. That's how it was. <laughs> and I, I, was preach, I was preaching to the empty chairs and I would say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever would believe in, not, and believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I saw myself had this vision and burning on the inside of me to reach people. A couple Sundays later, again, I was volunteering a couple Sundays later, I was walking through the front of the church. Again, I was checking out my acrylic podium. This is after I preached to the empty crowd. Pastor Pat says, hey, Jason, come here a minute. And I'm walking in front, and all of a sudden, he looks at me, and he says, hey. He says, uh, hey, I want to let you know what you're doing is not going unnoticed. Did he see me preach? Like, is there video cameras in here? Like, I, I was, you know, I was nervous. Long story short, he hired me, brought me on staff. I became a part of his staff for 12 years. But I want you to know something. I could only do what I knew. God would reveal the future if I was faithful with my now. A long times we want vision for our life and we want God to lay it out in front of us. But man, if you're not faithful with what's been put in your hand, if you're not faithful with what's put in your hand, what's put in your hand may be taken out of your hand. Because God will put somebody in that place to make sure that, 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 you're, that, that they're faithful with it. I got the opportunity, Brent and Celeste are here. They're going down to, uh, where are you going? I always forget. Clarksville, Tennessee to plant a church in August. They're the youth pastors of Living Word right now. Brent was in my youth ministry and they're leaving in August all by themselves with one other couple at this point to go to Clarksville, Tennessee to start in a place they've never been before to reach people. And I, I'm telling you, when, when you step out of the boat and you just do what you know, and I was able to take Brent around and I was able to talk to some of our, our, our team here. And able to say, hey Brent, you need to pray for people like Rick and Deb Young that have been pulling trailers for 10 years, bro. If you're gonna be a church planner that pulls trailers, you better pray for some Rick and Debs because they faithfully pulled our trailers for 10 years and set up kids area. 
Come on, man. Need, need, you need to, need to, you need to pray for your, your Sarah's, Sarah Horn and your Teddy Horns that have not stopped serving for 10 plus years. You, you need to pray for these people. I'm only saying, I'm telling you this, and there's many others that I could go around the room and talk about that have been here a long time serving. But guess what? Because you've been faithful with just doing what you know to do, set up the curtains every week, just doing what we know to do, we, God is bringing us into a position and positioning us into a place to reach more people. If you want to fulfill your God-given vision and your God-given destiny, just do what's in your hand. Well, I don't serve. I don't do small groups. I don't serve. That's my quality time. Hold on a second. Jesus didn't call you to selfishness. He called you to serving. Well, serving, that's hard work. Hello? That's why he wants you to do it, because you're so stinking prideful you won't do it. Serving breaks pride off our life. Amen. It breaks pride off our life. So walk in obedience to what is known. Obedience to God's word now unlocks the mystery of God's will in your future. Am I obeying what God has already told me to do through his word? Ask God, am I obeying what you've told me to do in your word? I'll close with this last statement. The environment for God to reveal his vision and personal revelation of what he's created you to uniquely to accomplish is currently uh, is, is current obedience to his revealed will. Whatever he's told you right now, do it. Whatever he's put in your heart to do, do it. Do it with all your might. But what is known, you and, and God will begin to reveal. And as I as I served at Living Word, 2008 happened. God started stirring my heart. Didn't know what it was. Transition was happening. I knew it was gonna we we're gonna launch out, plant a church. Pastor's got a motorcycle accident. The Lord told me I could have said, "Oh, you know what? I'm going." No, the Lord told me in 20, 2008, stay here, hold this man's hand up for two more years. So I did. I held his hands up, I worked hard, I served, I did what I could do. After his motorcycle accident, 2010, God birthed it in my heart again, it's time. 2010, it's time. So I started praying and fasting. I went to my pastor, we talked, I prayed, I fasted. I spent 40 days in fasting, looking for a place of what God wanted to do, just seeking direction. I got down to 73 and 741 on day 40 of my fast, and the Lord said to me, Jason, Isaiah 43, 19, behold, it shall spring forth. I'm doing a new thing. It shall spring forth out of Springboro. He, didn't, he said it would start in Springboro. He didn't say it would end in Springboro. He said it would start. And I knew right then this is where we were supposed to be. Went back to my pastor, talked to him, said, yep, this is where I'm supposed to be. We started looking for buildings, found the junior high. Dear Lord, we've been portable for 10 plus years. But what, listen, here's the point. I just did what was in front of me. And God will open the doors as you walk towards what you already know. And as you walk in obedience to what you already know, God begins to open more and more and more doors. And you fulfill the vision and purpose He has for your life. Here's a prayer I want you to pray. And it's a prayer of Sir Francis Drake. He said this, disturb us, Lord, 
when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we dream too little, when we arrive safely because we have sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, awaken us, shake us up in this area of vision for our lives. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads this morning. Father, I pray for each person in this room today. I pray you'd stir up vision. I pray you'd stir up destiny. I pray, Lord, you'd stir up dreams and visions. Lord, there's people in this room today that, that, that they've been living in this place where they've just lacked vision and they've lacked how to pursue vision and how to find vision. Lord, I pray today in the name of Jesus that you, God, would stir up vision in their hearts, make it clear to them, let them begin to move in the direction that they already know there's this knowing in them, there's this doing, that they're already doing things that, Lord, as they step into that, you'll reveal, you'll reveal even more. The, the light will turn on on the path as you step towards the light, as you step towards the things you already know, that, that the windows of heaven will open and the destiny of God will become real to you even more as you step, as you step, as you step, as you step. Well, I might make the wrong step. Step. There's forgiveness. There's mercy. There's alignment. God just, he, he wants you to start to think differently and breathe differently and act differently, and dream differently. And, and Lord, I pray today for the vision of each person in this room. That God, how, how you, you have an individual vision, but you have a corporate vision for our church as well. And we thank you today in the name of Jesus for stirring vision in our hearts today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus, I need to make him the Lord of my life, or you're watching online, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, and you've never done that before, and you say, I need to know Jesus today. It's real simple, you believe in what he did. He died on the cross for you, rose from the dead for you. He wants to come into your heart today and make you a brand new creature. If you're in this room today, you say, Pastor, that's me, I need to make a decision for Jesus. We slip up your hand right where you're at? I wanna have a moment to pray with you, and I wanna, I wanna pray with you and agree with you today that what God said he would do, he would do in your life today. If you're watching online, just type the word yes in the comments today, and we wanna pray for you. Let's all pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, raised from the dead for me. I confess him with my mouth. I believe in my heart. Come into my heart. Make me a new creature. Old things pass away, and all things become new. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap today for his word? People saying yes to Jesus. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.